Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction of any kind or those searching for a better way to live. Rich and Susan Collenberg found freedom from drug addiction and alcoholism over two decades ago. In the series, The Temple of the Mind, they examine the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, and other Bible passages to show how God uses His Holy Word in the events and trials of life to prepare hearts and minds to be the temple of His Holy Spirit. Take every thought captive now on Freedom to Choose. Thy kingdom come, thy will be My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose, our series, The Temple of the Mind. And we are on program number 10 already, and it is entitled, Ye Are the Salt of the Earth. Um, you know, that song, With Power and, and Glory Forever, of course, it's a, a, it's a, a paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer, this, mm-hmm. a song that... Uh, J.K., Steve, and I have done. Uh, uh, J.K. Northrup and Steve Brown and I put that song together. But power and glory, and glory in the Bible, believe it or not, is character. Right. And that's what this series is about. The Temple of the Mind is about character and about um, God wanting to transform us back into His image and not act like a bunch of selfish little brats, but to, to, to restore us back to be able to act um, no, with noble and dignified qualities. And reasonable qualities. And reasonable qualities. <laughs> you mean kind of like the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, love, Loving, joy. joyfully, peacefully, peace, kindly. Gently. Yes, so in, with, in, with self-control. Intelligently and yes. whatnot. Susan, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we are so grateful that um, we have the opportunity to talk about one of the Beatitudes, or after the Beatitudes, about salt of the earth, and we just pray that you'll send your spirit to us, that um, we would be able to understand and implement the, the um, characteristics of your, of your word, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so what we are now, we've we finished up the Beatitudes in this series, the Temple of the Mind, mm-hmm. and now we're we're going to go through some of the sayings of Jesus. And uh, in this course, being ye are the salt of the earth, and uh, what do you what do you typically use salt for around the house? Um, I will put salt in the water if I'm cooking some type of pasta or rice. Okay. And then, um, you know, some things like if I make a soup, I will put salt in it. I try not to do too much mm-hmm. salt, but then, boy, you can really tell if I haven't salted. Right. Salt really wakes the flavor up. Yes. I mean, yeah, we eat salad, but a lot of times without dressing, just put a little salt on there and it wakes the flavor right up, doesn't it? It kind of makes everything a little bit more um, intense, I guess. Yeah. And myself, I prefer my chocolate. With a little bit of like rock salt, you know what I mean? The like rock a, salt stuff on there, like a um, yeah, 
like yeah. a caramel, like a yeah, you <laughs> bet. Chocolate caramel yeah. salt. So so yeah, that's that's what we're that's where we're at today with yes. But we are we are going through the sayings of Jesus now, uh, just uh, some of the one liners throughout the Bible that still deal with the temple of the mind, God's people maneuvering uh, throughout the Bible and what it was all about and what he was trying to teach and how he is trying to teach um, his people to just simply be better human beings and to reflect that image of God that God uh, originally had planned for man. Right. To live free and happy and joyful without packing around a bunch of guilt and shame and all well, the... it so it happened so so God's desire was how he created us originally and it was when we um, entertained selfishness that we got this human nature mm-hmm. yeah, that that, the that, hum- that overrides the spiritual nature yeah and so we just you know it's like nature run wild yeah what what happened we have to go back to Eden we can talk about it briefly but Adam was guiltless. And shameless prior... As was Eve. As was Eve, prior to breaking trust with God. Just like if if I was to do something that would break my marriage vows, prior to that, I'm guiltless and shameless, but once I do that, I can no longer look my wife in the eye. I, I am now... Guilty. Guilty. She hasn't changed, but I cannot look her in the eye with a straight face anymore. This is what happened to the human condition in Eden. Adam broke trust with God. God said, trust me on this. Don't go near that tree. Adam said, well, maybe the words of the devil are true. Maybe I really won't. So maybe I should believe the devil in this case. And so he breaks trust with God and changes the human nature. Right. And so now when and then the, the the most bizarre thing happens, and I think a lot of us, I know that I never really looked at it in this way, is the next thing that happens is it's saying that God is coming once again to Adam and Eve to spend time with them. And Adam runs from him. Now he's and God, who from has all knowledge about everything, Adam has this fear response and this, I'm going to save myself because God's going to get me. So I'm going to run from him. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that's what human nature has been run. That's what we've been running on ever since, yeah. this fear. This because, fear. And so what does the human nature... Well, it, yeah, now it, it runs on fear. Fear of being caught, fear of being exposed, fear of not measuring up, fear of what others might say. And it goes on and on and on. And with all of this fear, we act out in different different ways, but similar ways. And this is why God being God is love... Perfect love casts out fear, because where there is no fear, and that's the interesting thing, is is where there is no fear, people can act, quote-unquote, normal, like God intended. Mm-hmm. You know, you find it interesting that, that Adam, once he incurred some guilt and shame— the first thing he does is point to everybody else in the room as guilty. He wants to and, be the Teflon man. Yeah, Everything's Teflon, yeah. sliding off of him. What happened, Adam? The woman you gave me. Right. You know, it's not my fault. So he's and, accusing his his woman and the God, God, his creator. Exactly. So your guys, all the fingers are pointing outwards. All, yeah. And so that's what we have inherited now. Right. You know, God made man in God's image. Adam and Eve created Seth in Adam's image. 
And that's what we have inherited all the way through time now, the same, that, that same carnal nature that tugs and wars against our spiritual nature. And what God is saying is when you get that moment of clarity, when I'm speaking to you, you open your heart and let me in, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and if we do that, we get that moment of clarity that, that you know, you got it, I got it, when, when I want to say, quote-unquote, the process of conversion started— is God said, you're no longer going to act that way, Rich. You're no longer going to act selfish. You're, you know, you're going to start, and it's going to be simple, but it's not going to be easy. Right. You know, this road is simple. It really is. Mm-hmm. Is trust God. Mm-hmm. Don't break trust with him. Right. Pretty simple. And so that's interesting because I was kind of daydreaming. I was listening to you, but I was daydreaming a little bit back to when um, I got clean and sober and, uh, you know, I had used drugs. I was 35 years old, 36 years old. And, um, I had this, um, clarity about what was God's position in my life. See, I was, I was five years old when the sexual abuse started. And so my constant underlying belief was God, why have you let this happen to me? Right. He he was even more responsible than my parents were respon- than my parents were. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like if God is all powerful, if He is all knowing, if He, you know, is the creator of everything, well then why would He allow, you know, that mm-hmm. pain and that abuse to happen to me? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I changed my picture of who God was and mm-hmm. what his position could possibly be with my own little, you know, yeah, creative imagination. Little, yeah, right. Sanctified imagination. Exactly. Yeah. I was able to put him in a different position in my life. I was able to go back to uh, my past and I was able to reevaluate, mm-hmm. you know, what had happened. And I think it's changed me as a person and to be, you know, kind and, and a different person. So I think that that's, you know, part of the being able to be changed by God is to truly understand who he is and the position that he plays in our lives, how his hands are tied, mm-hmm. and what truly his character is. Yeah. You know, and you said that how God's hands are tied. Believe it or not, folks, God's hands are tied a bit in this. He is not going to force his will on anyone. Love requires a choice. Mm-hmm. If if I want, I cannot force Susan to love me. That they have a name for that. Mm-hmm. It's not a nice name. Right. You cannot force someone to. So God has allowed His creation to be free, and we live on a dangerous planet. Right. And bad things happen. Right. But God has allowed people to be free to make their own choices and make some really really bad ones. And even to crucify their creator, religious people. This is why, one of the main reasons why God lets his creation nail him to the cross, just to show what he is willing to go through for rebellious, um, carnal living uh, uh, creation. Right. You know? Um, And so so, um, so Jesus and—I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I wrote down clipboard, because when you were talking about— about God had to play a new role in your life, mm-hmm. right? Because for me, it's very similar. God had a clipboard, 
and he was running right behind me because I'm running from him. Right. And he's writing everything that I'm doing wrong down on that clipboard. Right. And the faster I'd run, the more stuff he could write down. Right. <laughs> right. And so it was, you know, a excuse my French, a feedback loop from hell. Right. Right? right, because the more you run, the more you have to run, right. and the the longer the list gets on that clipboard. If that is your picture of God, which was my picture of God, mm-hmm. I was Adam in the garden, running, blaming everybody else in the garden. Exactly, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I I got that from Adam, and that's fine. I brought it down the line, but God gave us a moment of clarity, saying, "Don't look at me like I got a clipboard. Look at me like I got a stethoscope." Right. What's wrong, Rich? Right. Where do you hurt? Right. Tell me where it hurts, and I will heal you. But I will not heal you if you will not tell me where it hurts. Right. That, folks, is God. He will come to you quietly and ask, open up to me. Tell me where it hurts. I can make the hurt go away. Right. It'll take time. Right. It'll take a it'll sometimes it'll take a long time to make that pain go away. And and the pain we're not even we're not even talking about physical pain. Oh no, this is emotional pain that right. we're all going through. Right, because we live on a broken planet. That's that's why. You know. And poor God is running around with that stethoscope chasing everybody and everybody is running from him and not telling him the truth. Right. Where does it hurt? Right. We're justifying our behavior. We're justifying our addictions. We're justifying our bad behaviors. And God is caught in the caught in the middle, not forcing us, but pleading with us. Look at the cross. Mm-hmm. Look at the cross. Look what I'm willing to go right. through for you. Look how I treat my enemies. Look how I treat my enemies. I'm not going to get you in trouble. You're already in trouble. Right. Let me help you out. Right. This is our God. Right. And somehow we've got this. And that's, I think, that that to me describes the surrender. Yeah. Right. So that's the surrender. It's not a, um, it's a, it's a giving of that kind of, um, you know, your fear and all that characteristics that we have genetically and that we've cultivated. Um, it's being able to say, you know, God, I want that to change in me. Yeah, that and getting that moment of clarity. And for me, one of the big things that the cross illustrates is that the most religious people on the planet with the wrong picture of God will nail their creator to the cross. Right. See, so so it has to do with our picture of God. Has he got a clipboard and is he chasing you, writing your mistakes down or does he have a stethoscope? Mm-hmm. And is he trying to make you well? And does he want you to tell him exactly where it hurts? Right. Does he want to do a diagnosis on you? Will you let him diagnose you? Mm-hmm. Because he can't, he will not force his way in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will let me in, I will come in. Right. Jesus is constantly knocking at the door because he's on the outside. And that is a metaphor for your heart. Right. That's why he says, you know, I Jesus came into the world. I gave him so that you can be saved. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't come into the world to condemn. I came into the world to save. Exactly. And so you can have the gift of God, which is eternal life, or you can have the wages of sin, right. which is death. Yeah. Sin pays its own way. Right. It's death. Right. The more we sin, the more we like it, the more we like it, the more we sin until finally we've done so we've lost the very capacity to love. Right. And once we lose the capacity of love, that is he that is unjust. 
let him be unjust still. He is so set into his ways, he cannot be moved. This is Satan, folks. Right. God would save him if he could. Right. Satan is so set in his ways, he believes his own propaganda about God so much that he can't be moved. That's the danger of sin. We self-justify over and over and over again until we believe our own propaganda, and then all bets are off. We lose the very capacity to love, Mm -hmm. and God cries. Right. He cries when he loses his children. Mm -hmm. You don't think he didn't cry when he lost Satan. Right. You don't think he didn't cry when when Pharaoh rejected him for the tenth time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, did he? Do you think he wanted to leave Nebuchadnezzar out into the gra- in the grassy fields for seven years? Mm-hmm. That's what it took. Do you think he wanted to knock Paul off his horse? That's what it took. I mean, and look at Cain. I mean, how did God feel when you know one brother rose up against another? Yeah, you know what has God gone through? What has He watched? The pain that He's watched on this planet, because because of free choice, uh, the freedom to, to choose Him. Or the freedom to choose the other leader, you know, and Jesus has called him the prince of this world has been cast down, but there's still insurgents. Right. There's still people that want to follow the old way of life. You know, you have that moment of clarity and God says, let me in, let him in. Right. Let him in. You are the salt of the earth. That's, that's, uh, so what, what Susan, what is salt valued for? So it's, there's a lot of things. It's valued for preservative properties. And when God calls his children salt, he teaches them that his purpo- it would be his purpose to make them subjects of his grace, that they may become representatives in saving others. Oh, so I have, a, cool. I have a paraphrase, and it says, You are the salt to humanity, preserving the knowledge of God, providing the flavor of heaven, and increasing the thirst for God. That's a paraphrase. What what paraphrase is That's that? That's from the Remedy. The Remedy Bible. Yes, and okay. you can get it just online. Go up uh, the Remedy, and it's an app. The Remedy. Okay. And yeah. do we have them in our warehouse? Do we have any of them? I think we might have. We some might have hard a few copy books. Yeah. Yes. So if you want any of the resources that we have, uh, 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 could it be this simple? The way out of your prison. Uh, we have that book. It's a workbook. We have the Seven Steps to Freedom workbook. Uh, you can drop us a line at www.justasiamministries.com or shoot us a call, 916-645-1297, and Susan will ship those out. I just wanted to get that in Boy, there that now. Was thinking that was a big of, plug That there, was a big huh? plug. Well, yeah. because because the, the Remedy Bible come up, I mean, that's, that is— uh, uh, so, so what were the attributes? It was um, preserving the knowledge of God. Yep. Providing the flavor of heaven mm-hmm. and increasing thirst for God. Isn't that so? Do you see what, what Jesus uses these metaphors when he uses the real life uh, physical objects and, you know, seeds being cast or whatever? The spiritual application, when you really look at it, goes very, very deep. Right. Um, and as you explore the uses of salt, especially back then and when it was such a preservative and, and like the Remedy Bible says there, it's pre- preserving the knowledge of God because to, eternal life is to know him mm. and Jesus mm-hmm. Christ whom he sent. Mm-hmm. And to know God, uh, like Susan and I are talking about, either he's got a clipboard and he's going to get you in trouble or he's got a stethoscope and you understand you're already in trouble and he's trying to, he's trying to heal you. 
And I think that that's that's the big thing is God desires you to have true knowledge of who he is. Yeah. He's he's not out to get you. He's out to he didn't come to condemn. Remember the woman that was thrown down in adultery. Yes. Jesus says to her as he as he after he silently runs her accusers away, doesn't pull their covers, just silently runs them away. He says, he asks her, woman, where are your accusers? And she says that she looks up. She's waiting for rocks to hit her. Right. She looks up and she says, amazingly, there's none. Mm. And then Jesus says those magic words. Neither do I condemn you. Right. You got enough going on between your ears. You don't need me to tell you what you've done wrong. You know what you've done wrong. Mm -hmm. And so this is our conscience. Jesus says, you know, I don't, I didn't come to condemn. Mm -hmm. I came to save. And so if we open our hearts and let him speak to us. Then then we give him the opportunity and we join with him in changing who we are as people. And what does that do? That changes other people. Right, exactly. And that's what the salt does, too. It's a preservative for the planet. Right. You know, you put a little salt in the soup, it changes the flavor of every ingredient in there. Right. It's a, it's amazing. So are you being salty or bitter? I don't know if that's kind of like the same thing. I guess it isn't bitter and and salty. Bitter. Well, I think salty is a little bit more, you know, some. Well, I guess it depends on if you like bitter things, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, in Jesus' last prayer with his disciples before his crucifixion, he said, "For their sake, I sanctify myself." that they also might be sanctified through truth. That's John 17, 19. And here's the thing. In like manner, Christians who are purified through the truth will possess saving qualities that preserve the world from utter moral corruption. Yeah, and we talked about it on last program, the law of escalation versus the law, I I want to call it the law of the fruits of the Spirit. Right. You're going to diffuse an argument. You're going to diffuse escalation uh, by simply having the fruits of the Spirit, and that is to know God. Right. You know, you can't—they come from within, and that's from, you know, Jesus living in the heart and mind. Salt mingled with the substance is added to it. It must penetrate and infuse in order to pre- preserve, and that's how it is with personal contract. Pe- people are reached by the saving power of the gospel through the personal contact— they're not saved in masses, but they're saved as individuals, and that's why we go out as the salt of the earth to each individual, I want to call them ingredients, but each individual person. Absolutely, because personal influence is power, and that's why we, we must come close to those whom we desire to benefit. Um, the, savor, the savor of salt represents the fundamental power of the Christian, the love of Jesus in the heart, the righteousness of Christ infusing the light. Yeah, that and those those are powerful words. It's, it's big standards to live up to. That's for sure. You know, and I I, I I liken my past life and your last past life as speedboats going through a five mile an hour zone. Right? <laughs> yes. But I liken the fruits of the spirit as a pebble hitting calm water mm. and that ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You can visualize the salt of the earth just can, just rippling out and rippling out and rippling out and affecting everything in a calming, mild fashion rather than a speedboat right. that causes erosion and flips the other boats over that are next to it and all that kind of stuff. But th- this is what we can be one of the two. We can be a disruptive force mm-hmm. or we can be a force for good. Right. 
Um, and it, we have the choice. And I guess we have to make that choice daily because it can happen. It can happen as soon as you wake up and you interact with an animal or your yeah. or your family member or something. You can either be a force of good or a force for not good. It goes down to the yeah. smallest little things you do. You know, I come home and my cat meows and I'm tired. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> he gets my attention. You know, I love the little guy. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I don't care how tired I am. His his meow that used to be, make me irritable no longer does. Now we just know he's he's, he's happy to see you yeah. and he needs something and it's not a personal thing. Yeah. And that's how we have to look at the people we that, interact exactly. with. Exactly. We look at people as people, yes. not objects. Yes. And that's very, very important because we will have that. The carnal nature likes to look at people as objects, obstacles, stepping stones to get us where we're at. And that golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Exactly. Yeah. That's the way, yeah. So we're going to have to wrap it up again, folks. Uh, i got to give Mike a shout-out, too, because he's Woo-hoo. our engineer back there, and he yes. does such a wonderful job. He does. He really does, and we're thankful here to, to uh, Salem. Uh, and remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Our Father, who art in heaven, for listening to the Temple of the Mind on Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.